So when we come to a day like this, where our graduates find themselves at crossroads in their lives, and on this day, our church is at something of a crossroads, uh, my mind goes back to one of those famous movies in American pop culture, a movie about Chuck Nolan, who was a FedEx executive. His plane went down in the Pacific Ocean, and the story that unfolds is how he survives the plane crash in the ocean. He survives being uh, marooned on a deserted island. Eventually, he builds his own raft, and he's able to survive that journey. Finally, he's picked up and rescued. He's taken back, and the thing that he had been living for, which was his fiance, that also had been taken away, and she was already married to somebody else by that time. He had been gone for several years. And the story of Castaway is of a story of survival, but it's also a story of decisions. And the, the, one of the most poignant scenes in all of American cinema history, I think, is at the end of that movie, Chuck Nolan, which is um, the main character, Tom, what's his name, Hanks, is the guy who played him, and uh, he's at a crossroads. It's in the Texas Panhandle, crossroads like only, only the Texas Panhandle has, where you can see, as one guy told me when I moved to El Paso, you can see your dog run away for three days out here. <laughs> well, that's, that's what it's like in the Panhandle. If there are any trees there, it's because they were imported some, from somewhere else. And so Chuck Nolan is at this crossroads, and his whole life that he had been living for is now done. And he has to decide, where do I go now? And you look at each as a church and ask questions and help you understand where our vision task force has said as a church, we believe we need to focus on these things. And you'll have a chance to ask questions about that. But at the end of that question and answer time, I'm going to ask for an, an affirmation from the church. Do you believe that that is where we need to go or not? I'll explain that more later. But that request of you is something of a choice at a crossroads. Where do we go from here? And another question that goes into that is, how do we decide where we go from here? And what are the components of the decision? And what are the components of what happens after that? And so in, in lieu of all of that and all of the uncertainty that might linger out there about the days that are ahead, I want to take just a handful of moments here today. My goal is to have you out of here uh, as close to noon as we can, or at least my part be finished by then. And I've been... Uh, in the central and eastern part of the United States, and it's already after 12 there, so I'm already over time, so I'm just going to take whatever time I need, all right? <laughs> but what I want us to do today is, is take a few moments and let's lean into the main thing. No matter what the bells and the whistles of church-like, church life will look like in the days ahead, we must hold to the main thing. Join me in John 3, 16. Most of you are already there in your head. You don't even need your Bible for us to go to John three sixteen. It's one of those verses that we memorize early on in the process of our Christian education with our children. 
But I'm afraid that if we're not careful, we so memorize that and we can rattle it off in various translations maybe, and yet we miss the main thing that's part of it. So let me just read it very quickly. And I'm in the English Standard Version. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And when we're at a crossroads as we are today, and our vision task force is going to continue to lay out today this basic statement, that vision statement for us that says that we are about connecting people with the love and the life of Jesus Christ. We must hold on to the main thing. And here's a little element of that. Life begins with love. In other words, if you want to have life as God designed it, then you must respond to God's love for you. If you don't appropriate, apprehend, if you don't accept the love that God has for you, life is just a dream for you. For God so loved the world that he gave. Now, I think we should pause for a moment and make sure that we don't confuse divine love with our watered-down, sappy version of love. You know the watered-down, sappy version of love? If you don't know that, June's the month for weddings, right? Just go to a wedding and watch the ridiculous looks that are traded between two people getting married. I just lost in your eyes. Well, you'll get over that. (laughs) I don't want to oversell that. But you know, at weddings, I get the best seat in the house because I'm standing up there with them. And as I'm dealing with them, especially if I've taken them through premarital counseling, which is one of my policies to do with couples that I perform weddings for, uh, I know some of the uh, baggage that is accompanying them on the stage that nobody else sees. Our version of love in this life tends to be geared towards an emotional decision. And usually the emotion is tied to, what can you do for me? But the love that triggered this giving we find in John 3.16, the divine love that God has is not a life that's looking for what it can get. It's a love that looks for what it can give. God's love, in other words, is designed for investment. And so God loved so much that he gave. This is the main thing. Life at least the life that we're designed to have, begins with love. And if love's not there, and specifically divine love is not there, then we're in trouble. That love is designed for investment in us, and it is unconditional. It is freely given if we just respond to it appropriately. So that's the first part of it. It's a good thing that it's free and freely given because without it, we are hopeless 
You see, now this goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. I'll just take a minute or two here to tie this in. But the love that we need is love that can overcome the problem that we cannot overcome. And that is that our sin separates us from God. Now, easily in the world in which we live, we start talking about sin and people get, especially as Baptists and evangelicals, people get all up in arms over, well, you know, here you go again. You're going to start hacking on people for what they do. Let me make sure you hear me say this. The reason we all do the things that we call sin is not anything other than it's because of who we are. And that is we're sinners. And you go back to the Garden of Eden, as I said, and here's Adam and Eve, and God gave them this responsibility, created them for fellowship with himself. He gave them responsibility of overseeing his creation. And everything's going fine until that... Now, some of you are waiting for me to say woman. And some of you are waiting for me to say man. And both of you are right. Everything's going great until we as a human race and the people, the real-life people of Adam and Eve, choose sin. God says, don't do this one thing. Everything else is for you. And our sin nature says, I don't take orders from anybody. So our sin nature moves us to act like we're God. The problem is we can't pull that off. And so that sin nature and then the choices that come after that, that's where those individual acts come in. Our choices separate us from God. That makes us needy. The love that God has is for investment. It's freely given. We just have to receive it. But that fundamental part of us, that sin nature part of us says, I don't want that. I want to do what I want to do. And then we try to rewrite what it takes to be his child. And so John, the gospel writer, in the midst of a discussion that Jesus is having with Nicodemus, uh, says in no uncertain terms, God has a love that is so designed for investment that he acted on that. And he sent Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world, you can put your name in there, that he gave his only son. We can't fix our sin problem. We need God to fix our sin problem. The main thing for us as individual Christians... The main thing for us as a church, no matter what all the other bells and whistles, no matter what programs, no matter what schedules, none of that other stuff matters as much as this one truth. That is that we are called to a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You can't get it any other way than through him. And once you receive that, Then you're given the responsibility, we are given the responsibility of connecting other people with the life and the love of Jesus Christ. But if we don't act on our need first, we can't be 
the salt and the light that Jesus tells us to be. If you don't respond to the gift of love that is Jesus Christ, that God gives to overcome your sin problem and to fix the relationship problem and to bring you back to what you're designed for, if you don't respond to that, then you're not his child. I'm not talking about being a Baptist. I'm not talking about being a member of a church. I'm not, even, I'm not talking about whether you want to be a rutabaga or not. I'm talking about a personal relationship with the saving Jesus Christ. You have to choose life. That is the main thing, the main message for you as an individual and for us as a church. So when we go into this other meeting in just a handful of minutes now, and we go over there and we start talking about different elements of church life and how we can do things better, let's not miss that the main thing that all of that discussion is about is how we can best connect people with the love and the life of Jesus Christ. So my question to you individually this morning is, do you have that life? And if not, today ought to be the day. I can't imagine why anybody would wait. Today ought to be the day that you respond to the gift of love that Jesus Christ is from God himself. And you receive him. And you have life. If you don't have that life, why not? It's freely offered. We go into invitation time in just a moment. The invitation is for you, if you don't have that relationship with Christ, that you choose today to have it. And we'll help you with what that means and what that looks like. That's so why Dr. Nickel and I come stand down front. Others are available to help counsel into that. And we're not going to push you into anything. not going to try to twist your arm. It's a decision that only you can make, and we know that. But we want to help you get to that point. Many of us, and I would say probably most of us in this room, have already made that choice. The question that I have for you is, who is it in your life that hasn't? And what are you telling them about that? It's not the preacher's job to tell people about Jesus Christ for you. God has strategically placed you in a circle of people who desperately need life. Who'd you tell this week? Who will you tell tomorrow? Let's pray. And so, Father, we ask you now to take this time of invitation and change lives for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing.